Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and joining us today to talk about building buyer and influencer relationships is uh, Jackson Kahn. Uh, Jackson is the head of marketing at Nudge AI. That's a relationship intelligence platform that helps businesses find and grow the right relationships to drive revenue. Jackson also serves as uh, a host of Ask AI podcasts. He's a mentor with Techstars, a judge at Venture for Canada, an advisor to Century Initiative, and a member of the World Economic Forum, among many, many, many other things. You'll have to go look at his his LinkedIn profile to get everything. Jackson has quite a long, uh, impressive resume there. Jackson, thrilled to have you on the show today. Um, you ready to get started? Thanks, Guy. I'm really excited. Excellent. Sorry, I had to cut your bio short. You've just accomplished way too much. I think a couple oh, other things maybe <laughs> worth mentioning here. Um, you know, a one of Canada's top 20 under 20. Please tell me you're not still a top 20 under 20. You're over 20 now, right? No, no that was a few years ago. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, my goal has always been how do I help my community around me? And that's just been just as important as, you know, how do we build companies? And I think ultimately, you know, I really hope that whether it's in marketing or otherwise, that we can always really be supportive of each other and, you know, work towards building a lot. Uh, a lot better world to live in. I think that we, you know, often have actually a pretty unique responsibility as marketers because we often shape, you know, the messages and, and the campaigns and, and the movements that, that really drive forward conversations that happen. So that's uh, that's definitely what I'm up to now. And I'm really, really excited to be doing that, uh, you know, in business relationships here at Nudge now. Excellent. So how did you get into B2B marketing specifically? I mean, you, you've done so much, you've got so many things going on. What was your path through to business to business marketing? Yeah, I know. Sometimes people hear about me doing grassroots nonprofit stuff. They're like, how did you become a marketer for, for one of these software companies? I mean, my story in a nutshell would be, number one, always really passionate about, you know, how do I build and mobilize a community of people? Uh, for me, you know, that's that's been on everything from like, you know, early days in, in university that was all about education. Um, how do we get more out of that um, for the community? And now, you know, in the industry, uh, I've been really passionate, you know, about growing great companies, um, especially ones that I think are really, yeah, I mean, you know, disrupt. I hate to use the, overuse the word disruption, but I'd just say changing the nature of of how um, the game is being done. I, the last company I was at was called Influitive. Um, it's one of the, sort of the pioneers of a new brand of marketing called Advocate Marketing, and it, it's something that I really resonated with because I could see, you know, that whether you're a large company like Coca Cola or whether you're, you know your big business company like Microsoft, uh, who I also bri- briefly worked with, you're often powered by people who love your brand, you love your product. Um, and, and, you know, someone, you know, with a passion for advocacy and things like that, the idea just really resonated with me that you can really truly have fans and that is the best organic marketing that you can have. Um, I jumped into them because I really wanted to, you know, help more companies, more organizations build movements. And now here at Nudge, I mean, we're also trying to change the game around how do companies build relationships, long-term relationships with their customers, um, you know, with their investors, with, with pretty much anything around um, your brand. Um, I'm really passionate about this whole idea of, you know, whether it's the latest technology like AI or machine learning, um, how are we really serving to augment human potential um, and human interactions, you know, not just serving up the latest ads or optimizing campaigns or something like that. I think there's a real opportunity to combine all of those things. And so, you know, I really like to think that I became a marketer um, in this field because I want to marry my twin passions of, of advocacy and human connection with, with I'd say, a, you know, a true geeky obsession with the latest technology. Right, right. So can you tell me a little bit more about what, what Nudge uh, does there? And do you refer to it as Nudge or Nudge AI? 
We use them both interchangeably. I think nudge, nudge is definitely an easy, you know, colloquial way to do it. It's a verb. Uh, nudge AI, I'd say, is our formal name. We definitely want to make sure that, you know, that's clear. Um, that being said, like, nudge doesn't really consider ourselves, you know, we're not, we're not just saying, we're walking around saying we're just an AI company. Like, we really think that AI um, is definitely what's forward thinking right now. But eventually, you know, saying that you're an AI company will be like saying we're a mobile company or we have a mobile app. Um, at one point, that was right, really right. the latest thing. Uh, but, you know, what we're I doing guess with the AI, domain, the domain yeah. AI saved you probably like a couple million dollars on uh, getting a dot com of nudge. <laughs> yeah, we t- those uh, those top level domain dot com names, as you know, uh, pretty much went out with the first dot com boom. So, yeah, I think it was, you know, it's a cool way to distinguish ourselves. Um, it's definitely not the foremost part of our identity. I think the biggest part of nudge is we have a vision around companies being able to use relationships to, to grow their businesses. Uh, the AI is a huge component of that. Uh, we don't think AI either or robots are you know, going to replace what I'd say is probably our primary use case right now, which is helping sales, um, helping customer success build and grow relationships. What Nudge wants to do... What I'm worried about is you're not building a marketing terminator, basically. We're, we're trying not to. Um, no promises. <laughs> but, <laughs> no promises, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Like, we, we, we want AI to be able to augment... Um, the average salesperson, and we want to help them spend less time grinding out, making do- dial after dial, sending out cold email after cold email, and and just really not hearing back, um, not you know being able to have a personalized, right. real relationship with someone. And we think that's the part of sales that you know it's often called the grind or the hustle. But I wonder, like, haven't we had enough of hustle? Um, right now, we're we're over indexing on it so hard. There's so much competition out there, and we've got machines that are helping us send thousands, thousands of these emails, making robo-dials. But I think we're all really over-indexing on that. And Nudge wants to help us put a hold on that hustle and, and try a different approach. So Nudge is about how can you personalize your outreach, for sure, and using sort of the latest AI insights we're pulling in from hundreds of thousands of content sources a day to give you the latest insights on your contacts. That's probably the first way we want to help. The second is, can we actually help you not have to reach out cold? Um, we're going to systematically map right. all your relationships, um, the ones that you can get to. So still get that work done, just 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 get it done in a smarter fashion, kind exactly. of exactly a smarter fashion, a way that's more effective, a way that's more human. Um, we're gonna we're gonna pull in and scrape all the you know all the opt-in data you give us. We're not Cambridge Analytica either, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're gonna pull in email, phone, calendar, uh, anything in Salesforce or your CRM. Uh, marketing automation, basically like every touch point that you'd have with a customer. Right. Um, this is super useful for you know businesses that are trying to sell to other businesses because there's often a longer relationship cycle. It often takes a long time to kind of build a relationship with the buyer, really pull someone in. Um, there's often a more complex deal. There's a lot of people involved. And so I think v- very much from the start, getting a warm introduction from someone who actually knows the other person. Um, we're going to pull in all that information and measure your relationship strength with your connections. And even further, if you have people collaborating with you on Nudge, we can actually measure their relationship strength, which is pretty cool. All right. Excellent. Excellent. So that's... But, um, I mean, in practice, I just want to say, I mean, that actually means like, you know, you and I, Sky, might be connected on LinkedIn by, say, 100 people, but we have no idea how strong those connections are. Um, LinkedIn doesn't really measure that. It's only when you really add each other. Whereas if I'm pulling in all your communication data, email, phone, calendar in-person meetups, the places you really have conversations, we can actually measure the relationship strength that your connections have 
with potentially you know, your target accounts, your prospects, people so you can, that you, you can score the interaction kind of exactly. Um, so it's not just I connected with this guy five years ago on LinkedIn. We've never spoke since, exactly. but we've been liking each other's posts and we're following each other and we email each other and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, and we you know we have we have some level of sort of directionality and um, and quality metrics there too. I mean, if you know you and I have a one to one email exchange going back and forth, um, there's longer messages there. The frequency is high. Obviously, that's going to be a positive indicator right, right. that we probably have a good or stronger relationship versus if I'm just spamming out 5,000 people at once with my you know, automated sales blaster. Yeah, yeah. So would you say that you guys are kind of measuring internal intent data, um, you know, the intent yeah. data from the actual interactions between people? Yeah. So the goal is, can we measure both a mix of internal and external signals? So, I mean, external, that's going to include social, news, other buying signals like that. Internal, I mean, it's going to be kind of any of those interactions that you're able to feed into the system. Um, I want to be clear, like, we're not reading people's emails. Um, we consider that at, the, at right. this point to be definitely sort of a privacy violation, um, uh, particularly if the other person as well, if they don't opt into that. Uh, but, you know, if we're just looking at the metadata of your emails, of your contact, you know, measuring things like character count or how many people are on the message, when was it sent, um, you know, how much do you talk back and forth? I mean, that's that's kind of always privy to both parties and pretty easy to look at. And it's really just, you know, again, providing you a directional sense of, of how strong is a relationship, where is it going? Um, unfortunately, you know, some of the things we can't read right now are things that are like encrypted communications, right? Text, messages, right, right. Um, things like that. Um, but we may be able to do that at some point. Um, again, if it's kind of opt-in um, and, you know, if, if we kind of have that access to um, whatever other systems people want to plug into it, so... Yeah, I imagine managers, I mean, just thinking about being able to look at a team and seeing, okay, you have this many active contacts, but how many of them actually interact with you kind of and, and to what extent would be a pretty valuable thing? Well, I think one of the coolest parts, maybe the third biggest thing we're doing is, I mean, we are helping sales management actually evaluate at the account level or even at the individual level or at a company-wide level all the relationships they have in play. So if you've got a bunch of deals that you right. forecast in your pipeline, you know, a lot of people talk about deal forecasting, things like that. But what if we actually said we're going to give you a heavy, real, precise, granular measurement of, of relationship strength for all the people that you care about? We could actually tell you which deals might slip. Um, we can tell you which deals are at risk. Um, and I think for a lot of people like we're hearing, that's maybe one of the biggest pain points in the market right now is not really having a sense because, you know, it's either relying on your reps logging data um, or even if you have automated data logging, it's like, are you actually getting the insights, the analytics, the depth, the breadth, those kind of metrics that you really care about? So not just looking to do that for sales management, for sales administration, um, anybody who wants to make sure that they can have as many deals reliably closing as possible, not to mention, you know, the rep coaching aspects there too. Right. I imagine if you applied this to uh, to the consumer market, you could, you could tell people um, if the people they think are their friends are really their friends. Basically, yeah, you yeah. Can score people's yeah, friends. Yeah. Jenny's my best friend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you guys only talk once a month. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll try not, to, not, we'll try really not to cause any breakups. Yeah. Uh, we'll try not to, uh, you know, uh, break up any friendships either. But um, I, I do think, you know, it, it, personally, like I actually got into Nudge um, because I started using it to track all my personal relationships and my network. So there was a huge networking component. Um, even at the time, like I was actually tracking my relationships with journalists and influencers. So there's so many different opportunities to use it. Obviously, with relationship intelligence, we thought the first major commercial application here, and one of the biggest pain points is for sales. It's such a vast industry. 
there's so much change happening and we think the relationships needs to be a bigger element, bigger part of it. But also, I mean, you know, we've got founders, recruiters, investors on the platform, anybody who are looking to manage complex relationships over time. And I think that, you know, the fact that we've got a great product, um, you know, one that integrates kind of everywhere. And, and, you know, even there's a free version if you just want to use it for some basic networking. I mean, I think it's all it's all helpful if people want to, uh, to manage that kind of thing. Very cool. We don't usually spend this much time on the company, but I'm just kind of interested in in what you guys do there. Um, we're gonna we're gonna transition to the subject real soon here. Uh, again, that's uh, building buyer and influencer relationships. But it's just really fascinating what you guys do. But being able to score those relationships just just mentally for me, being able to look at it and say, oh, you could tell me which one of my people I'm neglecting. Not just oh no, I I can see in the CRM that I you know I touched this guy in the last week or month or whatever it is, but you know, you, you can kind of score how strong your relationship is with somebody, how much interaction you actually have. That is pretty cool. That that's a that's a nice thing. I'll I, I'll have to check that out. Um, so thank you for the info on uh, on Nudge. Now um, let's get into uh, building buyer influencer relationships. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and kind of your your expertise and angle there? Sounds good. So. I'd say building influencer relationships is something I've been thinking about for a while, at least the last few years. The reason is, is I think it's, especially in a crowded market, um, you know, when we talk about an influencer, I mean, it's, it's really just someone who, you know, is, is going to have, I'd say, even a ripple effect in that environment. Um, some of the people are certainly going to listen to you. Right. The Khloe Kardashian or the Kim Kardashian of a space kind of. Who can you yeah, yeah, for sure. you know, I mean, connect yourself to that's going to get you greater exposure? Hopefully with more substance. Um, that's the ideal. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, um, and, and no silicone. Um, but uh, I, I do think that ultimately, um, you know, in, in the B2B environment and enterprise, people are looking for substance. Um, they're definitely looking for, for value. I think it's a way that people make business decisions. I've had... Um, a really interesting time learning about what influencers care about too in this environment. I mean, you know, someone like a Kim or a Khloe Kardashian, you can pay these folks thousands of dollars, even millions to go and promote your product. And it's kind of a pay for play, right? Right. They're professional influencers is all they are. And one of the things, and getting back to how you, you know, you, you got into B2B marketing, one of the through lines I see on most people that get into B2B marketing is the fact that there's some value that it's marketing with value. It's not just, here's a face that people recognize and we're going to buy it. Um, it's, you have to actually have a good product. You have to actually give, be giving value to customers. And it's a lot more fun to market that kind of product, yes, I think. exactly. I, I really think that people here need to see in content that there is clear value. They need to see the connection to their work. I think a lot of B2B influencers, certainly sort of there's, there's a lot of paid media arrangements with them. Um, and sponsorships, you know, we, we, we work with at least one or two, um, a year who, you know, we work with to, to sort of amplify our brand or help educate our customer base, um, pull in their, you know, expertise. But for a large part, I mean, there's a lot of influencers who simply, you know, want to make sure that they've got good information, good attention for their audiences. And I think a lot of times, you know, if you want to work with an influencer, it really is about how do you build a relationship with them? Yeah, the paid part. I mean, these these people are, you know, they're they're real living people, and they need to get paid for their work. Still, I'd say some influencers, some of what they do is just because they are giving value to their customers. But most of the time, if you go to an influencer, you're not just going to say, "Hey, I like you. Can you, you know, give me a whole bunch of valuable exposure because I'm great?" Like, they're probably, you know, they write things up, they speak stuff like that. If you really want to 
to get in front of them, that's what they get paid to do. Now they provide value with it too. Again, they're not just showing up because they're popular or something like that. They have to actually know what they're talking about and, and, and whatnot. But yeah, typically if you want to, you know, to access one of these influencers, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna pay them for it. You know, you, you're gonna pay to be in, to be involved in their sphere to get their exposure. I think if any, you know, company wants to have a continued relationship, continued brand with an influencer, um, I definitely think that probably sponsorship or partnerships going to come into play with it at some point. Um, I think a lot of influencers, you know, definitely are open to, to featuring people, to engaging with them. Um, I think, it, you know, in either instance, like the key part is how do you build a relationship? How do you make sure that you're providing value to them? I think that these people, right. um, you know, people like, for example, like Brian Burns or Jill Rowley, I mean, they in the B2B environment, um, you know, really understand value. Um, they really critically sort of praise the products um, the companies that, you know, they want to work with um, that they think are really interesting because they have an audience, you know, they have an audience of people who trust them, um, who care about what they have to say. And so they know that the onus is on them to, you know, continue to prove that own value themselves, um, to that audience. And, you know, for us at Nudge, um, or, you know, beyond in the work kind of that, that I've been involved in, um, I have continually kind of seen that if you're able to build a relationship with an influencer over time, um, it's, it's far more likely that, you know, you'll have a chance to work with them or, you know, a really interesting way to do so. Sometimes influencers will only, will only choose to, you know, partner with one brand at a time in a particular area, a particular vertical, partic- particular, you know, toolkit, um, which I think is really interesting, right? You know, influencers definitely form alliances. Um, they care a lot about who they're associated with. They know it's representative of their brand. And they know that, I mean, their brand is them, you know, them as a person as well, right? And so they, they really, really, I think, care about and value what they're associating themselves with. And I think the word that keeps coming up is value. And sometimes that is, uh, oh, yeah, you can have them come and speak at your company or, or, or whatnot or represent you in some fashion um, for a monetary value. But if you're bringing other value to them, you know, they're, they're also businesses and parts of businesses and they need, you know, they need all kinds of value. So, you can't just come at an influencer and ask them to give to you. You've really got to be giving to them because, you know, they have a lot of people coming at them all the time and uh, their, their, their time is valuable. You, you've really got to bring value just like they bring value to their people. Kind of it's, it's a, it's a, there's a value pyramid there and they, they need you to be bringing a lot to the table if they're, you're going to take up their time. Yes. Yes. And I really think that a lot of influencers will make that decision quite quickly. Um, I think what, you know, I've been wanting to um, help purvey, over a time is, you know, a basic framework to actually engage with influencers. I think, you know, the basics of that are number one, you got to personalize your outreach to them and make sure that you're actually really considering who they are. Uh, number two would be, how do you actually really keep abreast of what news is surrounding them? And they often have big announcements, um, things like that. And I think number three is, you know, you often want to try and simplify or, you know, level out the power dynamic between you. I think one of the easiest ways you can do is sort of becoming an influence yourself, being a thought leader yourself. I think there, there will more clearly be a beneficial partnership um, for the both of you. If you've got something to offer, if you've got your own following too. And, and those are some of the right. basic. Join the club. That. Exactly. And, yeah. Yep. So I'm, I'm wondering, uh, it, it dawned on me. I mean, just, just for this podcast, inviting people sometimes, uh, I, I realized you talk about the personal interaction and in B2B marketing, that's, that's really big because it is a small world. You know, it's not like consumer where you're just putting up a billboard and the fact that, that we're all marketers, you, you know, you're not, you can't trick somebody into thinking it's a, it has to actually be a personal interaction. 
it's because uh, you know, that's what that's what we all do and think about all the time. So you kind of recognize the fake personal interactions, and it actually is is worse than just sending out a canned message. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I think that the effects and the, like the the nature of personalization is almost magnified um, when you're dealing with people again who get so much outreach, like just unbelievable amounts of, of inbound. And so I would say, you know, you kind of know when you've got a relationship with one of these influencers. Um, very much often, like I'd say, the pinnacle of that is, you know, you're literally texting back and forth and you can have a call with them pretty frequently. Um, we, you know, that's kind of the way we find ourselves um, a nudge with kind of our relationships with some top influencers. I think, you know, it was funny. I used to, I, I gave a presentation on this once with, more on the, the journalist side, but I said, I, I think I know I have a relationship with the journalist based on how late in the day I can get food with them. So it's either, you know, I can get, a, get lunch with them, I can get afternoon beer, uh, get a coffee after work, or, you know, it's like 9 p.m. late night Thai food. <laughs> so I think, I think you know, you know, just like, right, right. they don't have to be your best friend, but it's, it's, you know, do you genuinely have an interesting relationship with them? Do you think that you provide value to them that, you know, then it helps inform their job, their work, their content. Um, do you actually learn about them as a person? Um, that's how I think you really start to form your own circle of, of influence, right? Um, it's just like a circle of friends in a lot of ways. It's, you know, people you think you have trusted relationships with, um, people who would vouch for you, people who really have you on their radar. And I think if you offer these people yeah. access and even more status, feeling of belonging, you know, you really make them feel special in, in their interactions with you. I mean, that's how I think you really start to develop that circle and that relationship. So, I mean, I, I guess this is where Nudge AI maybe comes back in. If, if you use Nudge and uh, you can really tell if you actually have a relationship with an influencer or not, it, it'll just tell you, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, <laughs> it'll, yeah, I, it'll say, here's your score. <laughs> I measure, I measure like a, uh, a whole list this, of influencers. I'm like, okay, I got to get back in touch over there. Yeah, yeah. You think this person is a connection with you, but no, you you being at their front door with a Starbucks in the morning doesn't make them your friend. No, exactly. I mean, I, thought, uh, I really think that influencers need <laughs> They've got to actually invite you to dinner. Exactly. And I think that like, you've got to stay on top of these folks because they've got so much going on. They've, everybody's asking them to get involved. Uh, people like, you know, John Barrows, um, Morgan Ingram, those guys are traveling all the time. And I think, you know, you, you really need to make sure that you're, you're sticking out to them, that you're providing value. Um, again, and also that like their time is, is limited. And I think that, you know, the further ahead that you can give them notice, if there's something that does matter to you, um, I think that they'll, they'll often very much give you consideration and, and give you a chance to, to, to work with them and to get in with them. Um, but you really just got to, you know, make sure that they know about it. I think you continually ping them. I almost think like you need to treat an influencer relationship, or at least the first part of it, um, with almost the, the level of care that you would offer a sales deal. Um, it's like, how do you surround sell them? How do you offer them references? How do you offer them social validation? Um, how can you exemplify that you're the right person to do this with? Um, and I, I really think that people need to approach their, um, you know, influencer connections um, with that level of care, with that level of thought, with that level of trust, if they ever want to get there. And I guess I'd say also, you mentioned travel. Um, one of the things that I tell people, if you're going to approach somebody, one, they speak at a lot of events. Typically, these people do approach them at an event. They're already there. You know, they're there to be approached. You can talk to them. You know where they're going to be. But don't send them emails, give them calls, that kind of stuff leading up to an event that they're a keynote speaker at or something like that, because 
they're going to be kind of busy with that. And, you know, they're, they're not really going to be paying attention to the, the outreach that you're doing when, you know, days before a conference that they have to keynote at. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think bombarding these people is never a good plan. I think it's consistent, relentless outreach, but it's based out over time. Um, and that's how you can really get on their map. Yeah, yeah. More like go to the event, find out what they drink, and buy them buy them a drink at the end there. Don't don't send them an email while they're at a conference or something like that. Oh, and I guess I'd also say you know follow them and and you know, like their posts and that kind of stuff. If uh, if you want to, uh, you know, don't don't go after one of these influencer people and say I, you know I want to make a connection with this person in my industry. They're really important, oh, sure. and then not follow them, not know what they're doing. Not like, like you said, treat them like a sales, like it's a sale yep. uh, because ultimately it is, it's probably bigger than a sale to, you know, to get a connection with one of these people, to be able to work with them, to become offer value to them. It, it can't back to the, you know, sending canned messages and trying to pretend they're personal. It can't be superficial um, because their time is so, so important. So do you have any, any particular tips on how, let's say somebody has a particular influencer in mind that they really want to make a connection with on how they can approach reaching out to that person, making a connection with that person, bring value to them, that kind of uh, stuff. I am a bit biased here, uh, <laughs> because I, and nudge, we are like 110% into warm outreach. Um, I would say use LinkedIn or use something like nudge to, to actually do relationship discovery and, you know, see if you possibly have any common connections to an influencer Worst case, maybe try and name drop some mutual connections. I, I really think that, you know, treat this like a, a proper sales outreach. Um, treat them like something that, you know, really matters. Um, I'd say that's number one is, is trying for a warm intro. Number two would be, you know, really, really personalize it. I think all sort of influencers, it's, they make it pretty clear the different themes that they really care about. Or, you know, maybe it's based on their kind of, their sponsors, their partners, or I would go and read, you know, three, four, five recent pieces of content or some of their talks. Um, and, and I would I'd show that you actually really listen to their content, that you care about it, that you resonate with it. I think that if they know that you are really bought into what they do and really care and actually have done your research, that's going to matter. And that's going to change the conversation. And maybe one more tip would be, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of in the same line as, as the don't bug them thing or don't bug the person. But uh, I really think that, you know, I wouldn't try and message them more than every maybe two, three weeks until you actually have a relationship to start with them. Uh, and I'd maybe offer them an opportunity to like offer them something first, you know, do you want to write a guest post for us? Or, you know, could we just quote you in something that we're already writing or, you know, do something that's already made it so easy for them to just increase their brand and get more exposure. Right. And I would even do a couple touches of that kind of thing before you even ask them for anything really. And I suppose, I mean, kind of a leading off of what you said, uh, flattery always helps. Um, you know, you can <laughs> asking somebody oh, yeah. to guess, right. Even, even if they don't have time for it, it, you know, it's flattering even for people who are always being approached about stuff. It, it's still nice to know that, that people, uh, are interested in what you're saying, what you're doing. And that's where I, I like to recommend to people just to go to LinkedIn and look at somebody's profile because most of these people, they're going to notice who looks at their profile. Now they may have so many people looking, sometimes they don't, but you know, if you, you can interact with people passively, I guess. And then it's also, it's like a mini advertisement for you to where they start to get to recognize you and recognize your brand. And you're not so much of a, a stranger just coming at them once, once you do uh, put yourself in front of them. Definitely. I, I really think that people have this kind of grandiose idea of, oh, I need to do this, you know, insane amount of outreach to get in touch with an influencer. But really, I think you would just be thoughtful, calm, considerate, 
Um, and, and it's definitely more likely they'll listen and do everything you would do to kind of get in touch with a high-level prospect. Um, you know, appreciate the complexity of it, be, pers- be personalized, um, get a warm intro if you can. Um, I also just think, yeah, like write a few LinkedIn posts, tag that person in it, try and ask them a question, try and get in some comment threads on their own link po- LinkedIn posts and, you know, get some attention. Uh, I think if they have familiarity with your name over time, see that you've been a part of their audience, you've been a part of their content, they're far more receptive to, to any engagement with you. Yeah. Don't let the first time they see you be when you've given them your elevator pitch. Exactly. Like, <laughs> all right. I think we've hit the midway point here. We're going to go on a, a quick break and then we'll be right back um, talking here with uh, Jackson Khan more about the uh, building buyer and influencer relationships. Great stuff, Jackson. Looking forward to the second half of the show here. We'll be back in just a minute. Our episode today is brought to you by Engageo. If you're thinking about ABM and not sure how to start or which plays to run, Engageo just came out with a new playbook for marketers, featuring 16 plays that have been tested in the field to get results. Check them out at Engageo.com orchestration. All right, we're back here with uh, Jackson Kahn uh, of Nudge.ai. We've been talking about uh, building buyer and influencer relationships. Um, Jackson, I wanted to get back to you a little bit and, and kind of go over what you do over there at Nudge AI, what you do on a, on a day-to-day basis, kind of the, the marketing activities that, uh, that you're involved in there. Sure, sounds good. So at Nudge, we do a whole suite of different marketing activities. Uh, as head of marketing, like my goal is to effectively oversee, I'd say probably a, primarily a mix of content, influencer marketing, public relations, community engagement, social, anything that we can do to interact with sort of our buyer audiences. Certainly, you know, we do, we do a few paid, paid ads and, you know, we definitely participate in events like the Inside Sales Summit or, you know, often engage, engage with the Revenue Summit. Um, events with Sales Hacker, um, other things like that. We'll be at the Serious Decisions Summit next month in May, which I'm excited about. Uh, but, you know, for the most case, I yeah, think... Yeah, that's always a good one. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, th- I think the most case, what really distinguishes Nudge is, you know, content, our focus on relationships. Um, I spend a bulk of my time really working on that. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a great co-founder, Steve Woods, who guy's literally an author and a keynote speaker, and he's done all sorts of work there. And so we work on a lot of pieces together. And I think that, you know, that's, that's been instrumental and really changed in the conversation for buyers. Um, my, my thought around, you know, what do we do that's really differentiated at Nudge is we're really trying to take a, a different, I'd say controversial tone to, yeah, I mean, where is sales at right now? We've got, we've got two different campaigns that I think are worth mentioning. One is how I buy. How I Buy has been seen kind of all around the industry, and it's about, you know, how are people actually buying? Um, which, you know, such a flip on the head of maybe the traditional conversation. There's so many different pieces on, you know, how can I sell better? How can I do this better? And even understanding some buyer personas, but really having people tell you in an exclusive interview series, whether that's with CTOs, CMOs, or more about how buying has changed, about how their actual buying strategy works. Uh, we found an amazing response to this campaign and you know it's just about putting the buyer in control in that conversation so that's one of the pieces we worked on i think a lot of businesses have gone out of business because they didn't pay attention to something like that because it's just me how do i sell me to how do i sell my product my product and they forget that the larger side of the equation is the buyer and as you know with the internet buying in a lot of industries has changed and when people 
change the way they're buying. If, if companies don't adjust, you know, you can't, you're not going to be able to push people to buy the way you want them to buy basically. Um, so yeah, focusing on, on how they buy. That's a, that's a great one. I'm going to have to check that out. I haven't seen that, that content yet. I'm a little ashamed to say. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, the, the other one is, uh, it's called hold the hustle. So it's, it's, you know, it's all about, um, sales to spend too much time focused on hustle and, and automation and that that's actually, you know, hitting a bit of an asymptote and has some diminishing returns right now. And so we really think that relationship investment is, is where to go. And, uh, and there's a lot of opportunity here. And you guys have a lot of insight into that because you can, you know, use your own platform there. You know exactly who you have great relationships with, who you're in front of a lot. That's, uh, that's always a nice thing with B2B marketing when you have a product that, uh, that lends itself to the sales and marketing cycle because, you know, you can really nail that part. I definitely think there's a lot of interplay there, but I also think, you know, there, there's a huge amount of people who, who do get this. Um, I think, you know, one of the most interesting examples is Drift. Um, they've been, you know, generating a lot of conversation in the market because they want to help buyers, um, you know, be really in touch with the great journey um, that that is possible and, you know, make that very much buyer-led. And so all around that, you know, we, we definitely see ourselves driving sort of a wedge in the conversation about how do we focus more on relationships in addition to generating conversations. And, you know, our whole goal is, is how do we shift the entire you know, real, real discussion happening back to that and really get back to basics in a way, but then merge that with the latest tech, the latest technology. Right. Excellent. Uh, let's, um, let's shift gears here back to the uh, kind of the influencer relationships, building those, those buyer and influencer relationships. I think we're really focusing more just on the influencer relationship part, which is totally fine. We've got, uh, all the time in the world uh, in general, uh, but maybe this episode we just focus on the influencer part, and we can have you back another time. Focus on buyer or, or whatever you want. But it it's it's been great. It's going great. Um, let's get back to that. You draw you thrown out a couple names there. Um, Brian Burns, Joe Joe Rally, I think John Burroughs. Um, and I was thinking I w- I was gonna ask you to drop a bunch of names for people, but then I you know I, I realized and and you brought it up to me in the break that. Uh, <laughs> Um, really people need to find out who's the, who are the best influencers for them. So can you share kind of some strategies on, on finding who these best influencers specifically for them are? I mean, there's a lot of them B2B marketing, but you can't just go out and, and grab a couple names at random. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, number one, I think that <laughs> maybe, maybe one of the worst indicators is Twitter followers, um, because you buy those, um, obviously, you know, a lot of them organic, but I would definitely go way deeper than that. I think sort of influencer platforms who just kind of measure that, um, they kind of claim they can find you the top influencers um, just based on that count, I think is a bit, bit of a stretch. Um, I, I believe in you know, at least doing some more due diligence around your audience and really understand your buyers. Um, I think one of the easiest, scrappiest ways to do this is go find kind of 10 year ideal or what you think are your ideal buyers or even some of your current customers and ask them who they're listening to. Right. What, what podcasts? You know, what are they reading? Um, what have they found that's been really compelling recently? Who, who do they kind of follow on LinkedIn? And, and that's one of the easiest ways to get a sense of who are the influencers. The, the other piece, I think... A little market research, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, one of the other pieces, I think, even very early on is, is sort of what scope you're really looking at. I think a lot of people are like, oh, influencers, you know, I got to get Oprah Winfrey. Um, or like literally, you know, the top... The top people, the celebrity and whatnot, but that's not really 
true sometimes. I mean, even, even you know, we mentioned people like Brian Burns, Joe Rowley, I mean, some really, really top people in in our industry in sales and marketing and in tech, but there's a lot of people who can influence, you know, a whole kind of market or even whole segments, whole verticals, who maybe don't have really quite the level of notoriety or even public presence, visibility sometimes, but they really do yield quite a bit of influence, um, whether it's on buying decisions or referrals or peers. I really think that, you know, some people call these micro-influencers, mini-influencers or whatever. My simple thought is, you know, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a long graph of, you know, influencers and maybe relative influence to a potential cost of, of working with them or potential time investment needed. Um, and sometimes, you know, you can really invest maybe a less amount of time or less amount of money in paid engagement. And that person on the long tail may still end up yielding quite a bit of influence over your target buyer. And so I, I, I think that for a lot of folks, it's, it's worth thinking about the scope um, that they're really looking at. I would widen that scope and be open to working with people. Right. You know, maybe at the lower end might actually still have a lot of influence over, over their target buyer, um, or even if you're just getting started. They might seem like a micro influencer overall. You know, they're not one of that. They don't have millions of Twitter followers or whatever it is. But within your target audience, they they could actually have a great, you know, a, a, a good a good coverage there for you. Um, so so you're saying don't go after just the biggest names out there. And it makes me think of financing for for startups. I've heard a lot of people say you watch things like Shark Tank stuff like that, and people say you, you're not going for the money. People need the money, but you need it from the right people. And I think. Maybe with influencers, it's the same thing. It's not just who has the most of what you're looking, the most exposure or something like that. It's It's got to be the right exposure to the right people, the people who are actually within your target audience and, and that kind of stuff. Oh, completely. And, and again, you know, based on domain or vertical or geography, you may want dramatically different people. I've used tools like, you know, Little, Little Bird to do a geographical analysis of influencers within a certain area. Simply to amplify you know, an event series I was doing talking to her. Uh, that was you know, very helpful. Uh, there's other tools out there that are really coming up like Dovetail. That's an influencer network and discovery platform. There are you know, a lot of opportunities, I'd say, to, to look at people who really do have influence. I mean, you can also you know, use more journalist tracking tools like Buckrack or, or things like that. Um, I use a bit of a combination of them. And then you know, what I typically do with them so plugging too hard is, you know, I usually factor all those people on a CSV back into Nudge, and then that lets me set an automatic cadence to keep in touch with them. Because again, like, if you're going to work with these people even once or twice, and you find that that's useful, like I would, I would still shoot to have a longer-term relationship with them because I, you never know, right? You know when it's going to come back in handy, and I, and I really think that that's kind of a differentiator between just doing a bit of influencer work, a bit of influencer marketing, versus really having an influencer program, an influencer strategy. Yeah, I guess as long as you've got something to remind you, it really doesn't take much to to keep yourself a little bit warm with these with these people, even the people that are only occasionally going to be of use. So you mentioned a couple couple different Martech solutions there. Um, is there anything else in particular for for kind of managing influencer stuff or finding influencers for people to review that uh, that they might uh, might look into? Yeah, I mean, Little Bird and Dovetail, a couple of the ones I mentioned that were pretty useful. Uh, this is another one based here called Hashtag Paid, though. Um, some of these ones definitely focus more on sort of consumer-based influencers. I really think that sometimes for B2B, you're going to have to do some more due, due diligence and digging. Um, you know, if you want to go a more simple route, 
you can certainly look up, you know, who are the top 100 influencers in social media or sales or marketing or, you know, pretty much whatever industry that you care about. That's one way to do it. Um, I'll often, you know, if they publish them in their list of Twitter accounts, I'll often like put that into an Excel sheet and then upload that somewhere um, so I can track them or I will, um, you know, just, just make sure that I've got a list of their names and then maybe try and filter it down. I do think at some point you're going to have to build a custom list of influencers, the ones who you really resonate with, the ones that you build a relationship with, the ones that are really relevant to your target buyer, target customer. Um, I ultimately think that's kind of where you need to go, especially in B2B. And then, you know, decide which ones of, of kind of those few that you may want to do a paid engagement with. I think those are the ones that you find um, really, really are providing kind of the most. It's funny, in my mind, I kept asking you questions talking about this like there was one influencer for each company out there, and that's an excellent point. Uh, you know, you, you do need a list of the people that you really want to be in front of, want to be talking to, want to be have a relationship with, and it should be a handful of people. However many people are good for your specific uh, industry, I guess, your specific business. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think anybody should go super overboard on influencer marketing. Um, and have too many influencers there. I mean, maybe there's a way to to scale this kind of program really, really well, um, and you know, just keep generating more and more influencers. But I would, I would think that influencer marketing has a strong role to play with any any kind of company. But I also think that you know, it's it's a limited, um, it's a limited but high influence program, and you should treat it as that. Have the key ones that you identify with that your audience becomes very familiar with, and if you grow the program, if you scale it, I would just get deeper with kind of those influencers and don't just, you know, keep trying to through right. them and get new ones. It's a better long-term relationship. Is there a number you can think of for, you know, would you tell people, you know, keep it less than 12 or, or is there any particular number out there as a rule of thumb for, for people to look for how many influencers they really want to be trying to interact with? I think I, you know, maybe 10 to 20 seems like a good one to at least track. And maybe you're kind of working with several of them on regular content and maybe, you know, one or two of them, you have a more of a paid partnership, which is, you know, do you actually want to co-develop programs with us? For example, Brian Burns, we work with on a um, an actual course um, that we train, you know, hundreds of salespeople with. And, and sort of Brian took a big amount of initiative on that to work with us there. And so I think that that's something that, that we um, valued very much uh, this year was, you know, doing more training. So excited about that. I, I do think there's a lot of different opportunities for, you know, influencers to come up with new and interesting ways to to work with, you know, with partners, with clients, with people in the industry. And, you know, my thought is keep track of them all and see kind of what's what's possible, what's moving. And, you know, I'd, I'd say a dozen or more is, is, is probably a good amount. Um, you know, I think when you get into that more than that, um, too much more than that, you know, you may just be doing both yourself and them a disservice. These are busy people. I think it's really good to have a close, tight-knit relationship with the, the ones who are the most relevant, uh, that you feel the most tied to. And, and likewise, it is for them too. Yeah. You can only have so many friends. You can only have so many uh, influencers as well, I guess. Um, you brought up a couple times and it really, it's a reoccurring theme uh, I see and for a reason because it's, you know, it's just one of these things that's true. But when you want to know what to do, check with your clients. You'd mentioned that a while back um, that, you know, you want to know what influencers in your, are in your space. You just you just ask your clients and they will tell you who they're listening to, um, that kind of stuff. So I wanted to kind of re rehash that, uh, that thing that you'd, you'd kind of brought up in passing, but to put a highlighter on it for people to, you know, talking to your clients about this kind of stuff is the number one way you can really find out where you need to be, what you need to be doing is, is having that honest conversation with them uh, about 
where do they get their information? How getting back to the how people buy also, how do they buy? You're just asking them flat out, how do you buy? And I think clients are great for that because you already have a relationship. So they're, you know, if you approach somebody that's not a client and you ask them about this kind of stuff, they're, they're not as likely to kind of uh, give you the answers uh, that, that you're looking for. Um, give you give you those honest answers. Exactly. So you mentioned Brian Burns. Uh, I don't want to dig in too much. I know a lot of these relationships are are kind of, uh, you know, proprietary type stuff. But do you have any any stories about any influencers, Brian, anyone else that you've worked with? Any, uh, you know, any uh, disasters, any great successes, anything just of general interest that uh, that you could share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think with Brian, we've kind of seen good results from. Uh, the course, you know, people being um, trained up on, you know, how to actually use relationships to grow sales, hit their quotas, close deals faster. Um, that's all really relevant for us um, and what we do at Nudge and what the kind of, you know, new modern sales that we want to build. Um, Brian, you know, has an amazing podcast where, you know, we've been able to help connect him with some great VPs of sales who, who are doing this model very differently. And so really excited about that and to be able to showcase you know, those types of people um, in association with him and working with him to, to his audience. And I also think, you know, from my perspective, there's a lot of opportunity simply having an influencer consistently associate themselves with sort of the messages that you're bringing out. Um, and the influencer totally has, you know, editorial control over all that. Um, typically with a partnership with them, I mean, they're agreeing to engage with you or, you know, help amplify your content that they already resonate with. And they typically do that based on, you know, actually looking at what you do. Uh, which is cool. I mean, I think that that's an authentic built partnership, um, one that really makes sense. And and that's been working really well for us. Um, one, I think other campaign, I mean, previously at Influitive, um, did a lot of content where I do influencer roundups. I'd often reach out to maybe 10 influencers and do a bunch of different quotes with them in content. I think, you know, very often those got shared a lot. Really appreciated. Um, I don't know if I can think of any disasters maybe not yet uh maybe i haven't uh, tried to reach for the top yet but, uh. <laughs> um it's not it's not good to throw influencers under the bus also it, it feels weird we keep saying the word influencer 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 it, it feels strange to talk about people this way but have you ever spoke with any of these uh, you know quote unquote influencers um about that label being attached to them? Do they think of themselves as influencers? Is, is that something that they put on their business card? Um, how do they feel about that label? I think, you know, people should be skeptical about people walking around saying that I'm the biggest influencer of all time. But I think the most of the ones who are really popular and really do get it typically identify themselves as, you know, they're a podcast host or, you know, they're a sales leader or, you know, they're a coach, something like this, or they're an evangelist, right? Like, I really think that someone who's just straight up saying I'm an influencer, um, that's their entire brand. I mean, I think that's a bit different. Obviously, they can be recognized as influencers and things like that. But right, right. I do typically see that, you know, people, the ones who really make it are often, you know, have as much humility as they may have by being people who, you know, have hundreds of thousands of followers, um, which is really cool. And, you know, so if it says, um, if it says influencer on their business card, they're probably more of a Kardashian influencer than a B2B influencer. Yeah, it's very possible. Or, you know, I just think that there's a lot of folks on, you know, LinkedIn sometimes who their professional job is being a LinkedIn influencer. And maybe, maybe it's just my cynic, but uh, I'm a bit critical of that. I think that there's a bit more to doing that. I really think it's, you know, it's, it's all fine to kind of use social media to advance your business and amplify your, your goals and your mission, the opportunities and your messaging. But uh, I do hope that we can do more than just add more noise to the market. Um, I really, I really do believe in, you know, authentic 
messages and useful products and practical applications of, of all this work we're doing, especially, you know, when there, there is an opportunity for so much buzz and, and, and buzzwords and things like that. And even around, you know, the Hill AI space and everything, I think we've got a real responsibility and even an expectation to, to do better than that um, because there's a greater level of trust required. There's more explainability. Um, so I, I really want to try and, you know, as much as we're doing this work and we think it's important, I want to make sure that we're setting a good standard for ourselves and holding ourselves accountable to that. And so any influences that we're going to work with are, are very much going to do the same. Right. I, I mean, I guess you, you point something out there that kind of, uh, first of all, I don't want to anybody, any influencers out there who think I'm speaking about them. Uh, first and foremost, I'm flattered that you're listening to this podcast. And then next, um, I'm not speaking about you. If I say anything bad, I'm speaking about other people. Um, <laughs> I would, you don't want to get on the wrong side of somebody with a lot of followers, but it seems when you're mentioning influencers and people who that's what they do, that is their job. You know, they, they list themselves as a LinkedIn influencer. You see that in a lot of industries and it seems really dangerous because it creates this need for a cycle and it creates this, um, you know, you have to constantly be coming out with something new so you can never really nail down this is the way to do something and and move on because they need to you know it's the diet fads there's always a new diet fad everybody knows there's there you know there's only a couple right ways to eat but you have to come up with a new gimmick constantly so you see the diet people when that's their whole life they don't come out with a book and say here's how i think you should diet they come out with a new book every couple of years with a new diet every couple of years and they have to come up with something new so i guess i'd say with the influencers do you see any of that where there's influencers out there that you know, they keep coming up with a new fad kind of to, to promote because they need something new to promote. They need a new book, that kind of stuff. And is there a way to identify those kind of people? If, um, I guess, let me try to consolidate my question down to an actual question. Uh, <laughs> would you, would you say influencers that have something else they're tied to primarily are, are better influencers to look to work with influencers that, um, you know, they have a company that they work at that isn't just being a LinkedIn influencer. Um, again, not talking bad about anybody who's just an, you know, quote unquote, just a LinkedIn influencer, but how would you, would you separate different types of influencers in that way? And people who are, you know, within the industry and they speak at conferences and they're considered influencers and people who that's their sole job is, is being a speaker. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's nothing wrong with kind of being a full time thought leader in a way, but I just I really think, you know, if you want to separate, um, you know, the wheat from the chaff in a way, you you have to simply I think critically evaluate a couple pieces of content that they've written, see how that factors into their whole online presence. Which, if I only kind of see that they typically do pretty much only LinkedIn posts, versus you know, are they publishing? An ebook every once in a while. Do they have any courses? Do they do trainings? Um, do they move around? Um, do they have a good kind of engagement from their audience? A lot of comments, a lot of back and forth, or is it all just publishing and just you know leaving it there? Um, I really think that that's what kind of shows off. And you know, the people who who really do have the back and forth engagement, and you hear about them, um, and also, I mean, you know, just do a test, right? Like, you know, with with Brian, we've got a great source of people who often come to us, good traffic comes back to our site and we hear people you know, mentioning, oh, how did you find us? Oh, it was, you know, Brian Burns or something like that, right? I mean, if you don't hear anything back, if there's no pull in, um, there's no, you know, traffic referrals or anything that you can then track coming back to your site. I mean, I think, you know, you might have a dud. Um, so I think it's, right. it's, a, it's a real bit of, you know, evaluation. It's, it's being honest. 
it's, it's making sure they're the right fit because sometimes they genuinely won't be, even if they do have a good presence um, with your brand. And I think also it's, you know, really making sure that you are evaluating and tracking, analyzing any, any tie back, back to, to either your web traffic, to leads to your business, um, to, to notoriety, awareness, things like that. Right, right. Jackson, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, again, we'll have to we'll have to talk again another time about the uh, the building um, the the buyers uh, relationships. But um, thank you for coming on the show. I got a couple things I want to throw out here. Uh, if you guys want to find uh, Jackson, want to find Nudge AI, you can go, of course, to nudge.ai on Twitter. It's uh, Nudge AI or at Nudge AI. Facebook, Nudge AI. Anywhere you just put Nudge AI into anything and you'll find these guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, Jackson, anything you want to throw out for your personal accounts, um, uh, personal Twitter handle, anything like that? I suppose LinkedIn, just you know, put his name, Jackson Khan, into the uh, search bar and you'll find pretty easy that way. Yeah, I mean, my name is J-A-X-S-O-N. If you put me in Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever you want to go, I'll be there. And, you know, if you're interested in Nudge, it's free for anybody who signs up. Um, check it out. Um, I also run my own podcast called Ask AI. Uh, that's hashtag Ask AI. So feel free to check anything out. And, you know, Sky, really appreciate you having me on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on, uh, Jackson. Also, Nudge AI. If you go to nudge.ai, uh, they have a 30-day free trial. Um, let me see. Sign up. Uh, just takes a couple minutes. You can sign up really quick. Check their platform out. I know I'm going to have my marketing guys do that because it, it sounds like a, honestly, a, a fascinating uh, tool that we should really know about. One of the things I preach a lot on this show to marketers is a lot of these things, and I think we're going to make it a, a segment on the show at some point um, for, for MarTech and looking into these kind of products so we don't feel like we don't want to be just pitching the product on, on the podcast. We'll have a segment where that's what we do because it's something that's always bugged me is that if I don't know about these, if somebody calls me up and wants me to do a demo of their product and I don't do it, I feel like I'm not doing my job. And it's because I'm not. If that's if your job is to know what the options are out there and to do them, then then you got to know those. So uh, in, in that sense, I've, I've said it before in the show, I'll, I'll say it again. If you're a marketer and you're not checking out Nudge AI and, and doing the free trial there, you're, you're not doing your job. And if your marketers aren't doing it, then they're not doing their job, as well as all the other tools out there. You've really got to be familiar with these things to, to get the most out of your business. So uh, check out Nudge AI. Checks out, check out Jackson Khan on, on LinkedIn, uh, on, on Twitter, and it, also the, um, the podcast. Can you throw that out there one more time, the podcast that you do? Oh, podcast is called Hashtag Ask AI. Ask AI. Excellent. And what does that cover? What, what's the main subject matter there? Main goal is to spread more information about AI to the public interest. I think that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people talking about AI right now, but we're sort of looking to only interview some of the top founders, practitioners, influencers in, you know, machine learning, deep learning. Um, and particularly there's a focus on Canada there. So our goal is to sort of spread what's happening in Toronto, Montreal, um, Vancouver, Edmonton. There's a lot of actually innovation happening up here north of the border. Excellent. You could have a cage match at some point between somebody like Elon Musk and, you know, between the two sides of the AI argument, people say it's going to end the world and people say it's going to save us. That would, that would be a great highlight, just an idea to throw out there. Um, <laughs> all right. Again, thanks for coming on, Jackson. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. This has been the If You Market podcast, where we like to say, if you market, they will come.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.